Hey everybody, welcome back to Life with Fire podcast, the podcast that explores our relationship with wildfire and how we can better coexist with it in the future. I'm your host, Amanda Monti, and I am using my computer mic and I am in the field helping out with a prescribed fire training exchange down in the Mount Adams area. Um, But I really wanted to get this episode out. So here I am uh, recording this in a not great quality, but that's okay. I know you guys don't really mind. Um, I wanted to get an episode out about the Wildfire Commission report, which was released on September 27th, so still kind of late to the game here on this, but wanted to get some perspectives out there as quickly as possible. Um, So I spoke with Kelly Martin. Kelly Martin was a member of the commission, and she had an opportunity to work with a lot of really cool folks uh, within the commission, the 50 folks that were, were chosen for it from a broad range of disciplines within the wildland fire world and adjacent to the wildland fire world. So Kelly's done a lot of work with grassroots wildland firefighters. She's an advocate for the firefighting community and especially so since she retired in 2019 from federal firefighting. Um, So we chatted with her. She gave us a good perspective on how this is going to potentially impact wildland firefighters or at least about the recommendations that are related to wildland firefighting. And we're hoping to get um, some more folks on later this month that will be able to talk about other elements of this um, from like the fire ecology and the community resilience standpoint. But for now, we wanted to get somewhat of a spark notes version or rather like a quick summary of the recommendations that might have an impact on wildland firefighters. And Kelly was able to provide that um, in a very nice, succinct manner. So thank you to Kelly for coming on the show. This treks that I'm a part of is about to head out to do a burn hopefully today and so I've got to get going but I wanted to get this out and so I won't talk too much in this intro anyway thank you for listening as always thanks to Kelly for coming on the show and I hope you enjoy this episode um Kelly Martin uh, I was with the Forest Service and the National Park Service for 35 years and retired in 2019 Uh, my last position was a chief of fire and aviation at Yosemite National Park And um, about a year ago, I applied for a position on the Biden-Harris Wildland Fire Mitigation and Management Commission to represent wildland firefighters. And so the last year has been a kind of a crazy whirlwind of um, 50 people um, coming to uh, recommendations for Congress for um, this particular particular uh, report. So it's out. It's been out since the end of September, and I'm excited to talk to wildland firefighters about it. I'm like so curious to know how that process went. The report is 340 pages long. You had people working on it. You had so like tons of staffers, tons of consultants, it looks like. I cannot even imagine that process. (laughs) Would you like to shine some light on how that all went down? Well, I can say that it's unlike anything I've ever done in my career, because you're right, it was very rapid fire. And they had a process that was called um, unanimous consensus. And so as we started whittling down the report recommendations, every all 50 members had to you know, love it, they can live with it. But if one person dissented and said, nope, can't live with it, the recommendation didn't go forward. So when you really think about that, almost 150 recommendations, that's pretty incredible. That's a pretty heavy lift for that many people to actually get to 
you know, that, um, that kind of consensus. I've never worked in that kind of environment before, but for this particular work, I think it worked out really well. I, that is just genuinely amazing to me <laughs> and to make this report that's it's it's so uh, robust like there's the recommendations have context and they you know are built out and provide sort of actionable items and all this and so um can you talk a little bit about the recommendations and maybe anything that you had a hand in sort of informing or influencing in those sure. recommendations you know each of us had an opportunity to work on what they called uh, focused work groups and I think there was probably about 10 total. And the ones that I was really interested in was the landscapes. Uh, the second one was response coordination. And then the last one is certainly I'm very passionate about is uh, workforce. And each, each one of those even had subsets within um, those work groups. So the landscape one really highlighted the need for really increasing beneficial fire on the landscape. And we really struggled with that term because people were using the term, um, you know, manage wildfire. Well, aren't all wildfires, you know, managed. So the concept and idea is to really expand the use of fire um, on the landscape and, and cultural fire practitioners and the cultural use of fire really gained a lot of ground uh, in this particular work group. So when we're really thinking about prescribed fire, it, it extends beyond just the use of prescribed fire. It really is revalidating and emphasizing the, the critical importance for uh, cultural um, fire practitioners um, that have been basically you know, oppressed and exterminated on the landscape for the last hundred years. And so I, I really liked that aspect of, of that particular work group. I think we also know that fire is not the only tool. And so looking at potential opportunities to remove and utilize and sequester some of the, the carbon that's coming off of these landscapes and especially in highly vulnerable um, communities, that was also uh, brought up in the report um, as well. So I, I think a combination of, 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 and how we get there is is uh, is still a mystery, but I think overall you really had unanimous consensus that, you know, we do need to put more good fire back on the landscape, um, as well as, as the combination of using and removing understory um, fuels. So that was landscapes. I like I can only imagine how much how many hours you spent on this, how many hours all of the commission members spent on this. And so I'm wondering what sort of kept you like hopeful or motivated to continue working on this. Like what was the sort of end state that made you feel motivated to continue on the commission and continue, you know, trying to inform these decisions and these, you know, this these recommendations. You know, when you spend uh um as, as all of us know that work in wildland fire, when you're so devoted and you're so passionate about this work, there, there comes a point where you don't have a lot of flexibility to uh, really color outside the lines, right? Because you're working within the, the confines and the constraints of your, of your job. And a lot of people really feel that their job is at risk 
uh, if they speak out and are very passionate about changes and or reforms. And I think that's really what motivated me is number one, I retired four years ago from the federal government. I'm not really working for anybody. I'm supposed to be retired. Um, and so, but I, I think when you think about putting your, your, your love and your life's work uh, and your passion into something, you know, after retirement that you really couldn't see to fruition when you were working in the government, um, I felt free to be able to help tell the narrative and the story um, more clearly than you could when you're working for the government. So I think that's what really kept me motivated is that not only could I share the information that I had from a lifetime career in fire, but I was also learning a ton from people that I wouldn't have never interacted with. And they were brilliant people. They are brilliant pre people. And I learned a ton. I mean, it was quite humbling, um, you know, because people from all over the United States that aren't in fire, but they're, the work that they do is proximal um, to the wildfire crisis. Yeah, that brings me, you know, because you're you're you were probably working with folks that, you know, come from academia and come from policy and come from, um, you know, like all of these organizations that are making a lot of change in this space. Um, but I'm wondering, this is a conversation I think that a lot of folks are having right now. Like, how can we make sure that implement like the people who are actually like practitioners who are actually doing the implementation are informing the stuff that those folks, those other folks are doing? So in what ways did that dynamic play out on the commission when you guys were having these discussions, like ensuring that the wildland fire perspective was was there, ensuring that land management perspectives were there? I think that was a deliberate approach by selecting the commission members, is that there was such a broad cross-section uh, of individuals that could inform the, the recommendations from, um, from various perspectives. And, and that's what I I really liked. Um, it wasn't without conflict and controversy, without a doubt. Um, so these are the unanimous recommendations. But as you can imagine, there's been recommendations that were put forward that didn't have full unanimous consensus. So those dropped out of the report. Um, and you know, for what it's worth, people have asked, you know, well, what what are those? Um, I'd really I worked on so many different. Um, potential recommendations. But the one that keeps coming up is the, you know, Unified National Fire Service concept um, that um, really dropped out of the report. And that's fine. I mean, I think, you know, we're going to have several recommendations, lots of recommendations that dropped out of the report. What I don't want people to do is kind of focus on, well, why didn't that make the report? You know, I think it's important for people to realize that, you know, this body, this group of people to come together um, let's focus on on the things that we did agree with, but I can guarantee you there'll be nexus to some of the the issues that didn't get full consensus. Um, it'll they'll they can't help but come up again. Yeah, I think like there's an importance to introducing those ideas, even just Absolutely. to get in people's ears, and then people can think about it, and it can be brought up in more conversations, and those criticisms, those potential criticisms, can be worked through. And uh, yeah, I am curious, you know, like what, what did people say about or what did folks say about that? Um, what were the sort of criticisms or what did people bring up against the Unified Fire Command idea? 
You know, I've been pushing this for for quite some time, only because it 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 feels like we have, um, you know, two departments: Department of Interior and Department of Agriculture. And certainly within Interior, we have four uh, different uh, fire program and agencies within the Interior. And so I really wanted a a deeper dive and a look into how much does this cost you know from a overall in, in not just from a response coordination but certainly you know from um, prevention mitigation fuels reduction post fire response um so it's the whole suite that that this really is going to you know encompass and i think that you know, a lot of people are just very um, nervous about change and even, you know, thinking about what might be different or maybe there's some personal biases or a mindset or, um, you know, the the fear that people have of unifying the response personnel outside of um, federal land uh, management. Um, and so, I think it'll come up again. It's uh, how can we be more efficient with the funding that we do get from Congress to maintain a, a robust response, um, federal wildland firefighter, you know, response organization. Right now, we have a very decentralized, you know, organizational structure that probably served us well in the 50s and 60s when we had remote workstations and we had lookouts um, that could call in. Um, fire starts and people were right there at their fire station. Well, now things, you know, moving, move at, you know, an exponential rate in terms of, you know, information and to say nothing of the large fires. So I, I think that's why I was most interested in like, is if we had to create a new federal wildland uh, response organization, would it look like what we have today? It may, it may not, but it is certainly definitely worth asking that question. Yeah. And like I said, even just putting it on people's radars, I feel like that's how like the most progressive ideas like end up being implemented is just that they're introduced and they're kind of, they may, might seem a little crazy when they're first introduced, but then eventually it sort of like builds into more of a norm. Um, I have been talking to folks about the commission report. I've been like mostly seeing if people have read it or if they've looked at the recommendations. Um, and this is, uh, you know, like folks that I know who are practitioners and um, you know, maybe students. And I'm wondering if you would want to provide like sort of a spark notes version of like the things, the recommendations that have an impact potentially on the wildland fire community specifically, even if there's only one or two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so much of the work that I took forward from grassroots to the commission is, is, is absolutely in alignment. So when grassroots started working on classification, pay and benefits, that's what we really took forward or what I took forward, you know, within the work group. Um, so obviously we know about the, the supplemental funding in the uh, bipartisan infrastructure law, um, grassroots and National Federation of Fire Empl or Federal Employees have been instrumental of pushing through the Wildland Fire, Fire, Firefighter Pay Protection Act. Um, that would actually give a permanent pay fix. So that's all in there. Um, and then we, um, the mental health um, support needs, the presumptive cancers and diseases. Um, we did um, get in there. I don't know how many people are really familiar with the three-day break in service 
you know, as you start your federal, you know, career in fire, if you leave for more than three days, in other words, you have to move into an uncovered position and or resign, and you only have three days to still maintain um, your your firefighter um, coverage. Um, so we're really looking at that in terms of how we can be more flexible in today's environment, that people really do need to take time off to, you know, care for a spouse or aging parents or raising their kids and shouldn't have to be penalized um, to, to leave uh, government service and then come back in um, when your uh, life stabilizes uh, and, and start your time clock uh, right where you left off. So I'm excited um, about that one. And then the other big one is really, it, it's gonna be a heavy lift from an appropriations and a funding standpoint of view, but an expanded workforce. And it's not just you know response, the response workforce, but there really is a need for an expanded workforce to do the mitigation uh, and prevention work up front, um, what that looks like. Um, there's some recommendations in there, especially with states and nonprofits. Um, but that was a, uh, that was a, I was really glad to see that. Um, and then housing, I think we're gonna have to still figure, figure out the housing thing with the Office of Management and Budget um, and the uh, um, horrific increase in, in rental rates, um, government rental rates. Um, and then maybe partner with counties and states to actually think about a first responder part, if you will. There's a lot of young people that are buying uh, campers or RVs, but they just don't have a place to put them, except in a, a public um, campground, and that's unacceptable as well. So there's some there's some brilliant ideas in there like that that there there's a lot of them, and it's it's hard to kind of sort through uh, and figure that all this is going to happen all at once because it's not. Uh, but at least it gives us all a hope that there is some opportunities um, that 50, 50 people came together to make this re recommendation in support of the workforce. And so I think you'll see you know, a lot of really um, progressive ideas in there for workforce reforms that I'm pretty stoked about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in your perspective, what does the next step look like? Um, or what does it seem like the next step might be for like the Biden administration, for Congress? Like, is there any conversation about that right now? You know, and the thing that I, the conversation that I have with people um, and they've asked me flat out, do you really think, you know, that anything's going to happen given the conditions in Congress right now? Um, it, that one's a, that one's a slippery slope, right? But the fact that this is a document to me feels like a living document that should have a legacy of 40 to 50 years. And, and so that's one piece. Yes, this is a report to Congress, but there are opportunities for reforms that can occur at a state level um, that can occur within our agencies. Uh, and so that is an exciting you know, piece of the of the report as well is so that I don't want people to think that just because this report has been delivered to Congress, that Congress is the one that has to act now in terms of, not, don't get me wrong, there, there are definitely um, uh, policy and law changes that need to occur that only through an act of Congress and a, and a bill that gets implemented into or signed into law that can change some of these things like the three-day break in service or 
you know, overtime compensation is included in your, you know, firefighter annuity. There's a lot of those things that are actually going to truly take an act of Congress. So that's that's one piece is getting to know what those elements are that are going to, number one, take um, the need for writing or drafting a bill to be introduced in one of the uh, chambers and then seeing it through to, you know, committee and a committee vote. Um, and, you know, that's a really long, long process. But there's also um, opportunities that I think that people that have been working on these issues for years can see themselves in this report. And they can use this report as a springboard to say, hey, this is, this is referenced in the report. They can go to governors. They can go to county commissioners. Uh, they can go to, um, um, you know, partners. Uh, to really validate the work that they want to do locally uh, and say that, you know, this is, it's, it's been validated, you know, in this, in this report as recommendations. So I think the whole suite from Congress being able to draft bills and, and introduce legislation all the way down to the local place-based collaboratives that can use this as, as a leverage point for gaining support as well as maybe even additional funding. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great to hear. Um, being that I'm at an event right now with a place-based collaborative organization that is doing really cool work at the like local community scale. Um, awesome. Well, I don't have any other questions for you. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add or that we didn't touch on that you wanted to chat about? Um, no, not really. I, I think if anything, just remain hopeful. I, it's a law, it's a huge document. Um, I think the other thing that I'm seeing people use this document for is position papers. And so if there's, you know, local NGOs or place-based collaboratives um, that want to write position papers to their elected officials within the state, in the, in the House or the Senate, um, I think that's quite powerful. Uh, to reemphasize that, look, even though the commission, this came from commission members, there's actually people at the local community level. Um, and it is important for you to contact your congressman or senator uh, regarding, you know, how you still, how people at a, at a, lo at a local level want to support these, these initiatives. So I think there's lots more to come. Um, I am, you know, going to be available for you know, webinars to to talk about the the broader context of the uh, of the emerging themes. But I think you know, from a from a firefighter perspective, I'm I'm really pleased that we had a seat at the table, and it wasn't just you know the power players um, within the the wildfire um, arena, and that that we we did have a strong voice, and I I feel really good about that. So. But I'm always, you know, up for um, recommendations or, you know, comments from people. You can find me on LinkedIn and um, and shoot me a, you know, text or um, question about some of the things in the report. And if there's enough interest, certainly we can we can do a, you know, a webinar just based upon the issues that firefighters may bring up. Well, Kelly, I think I speak for most of the fire community when I say thank you so much for all of the work on our behalf, on their behalf, I should say, um, with all of your grassroots work and with the commission work. I mean, just like putting the hours in and it's super appreciated. <laughs> 
you know, it, 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 it was uh, my honor and pleasure to be able to give back to, you know, your generation and, and the generations coming up behind you. This is really, really important um, work. Uh, and I just remember what it was like for me in my 20s. And, you know, I want people to feel that 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 passion and drive for, you know, committing to this kind of work. So I'm hopeful that, you know, we can start to turn things around in a very positive way. And um, hopefully this is the first step of many to that folks can feel like we're we're actually we've hit a turning point and, and now we're we can really start addressing things in a in a um, unified, you know, a unified manner to, to see these reforms come to fruition. All right. That is what we have for you for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Kelly for coming on the show. If you like what you heard here and it provided a little more context for the wildfire commission report that you've maybe been hearing about, um, then please share this with somebody else who might be interested or maybe even give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you feel up to it. But Regardless, I appreciate you listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.